0: dear prudence
1: dear prudence dear prudence dear prudence dear prudence dear prudence dear, prudence. dear, prudence. dear do you think that i should contact him again help help thanks thanks thank you Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Max Jacobs, a radio and podcast producer based in New York. Long ago, he helped produce this show. And now here's our first letter. The subject is introversion isolation. By the way, I think it's great that despite my many, many attempts to encourage people not to, to use phrases like I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert, they, they still do. Like there's something sort of charming about like, oh, they're writing to me. The guy I'm sure they know is, is not wild about such labels um, and they're still doing it, which is, I, I, I kind of admire that. Dear Prudence, I am the only introvert in a family of extroverts. My siblings love calling our grandmother, great aunt and other elderly relatives on the phone once a month or so. And the older relatives love this too. I know the phone is the primary way these relatives communicate and I try my best to keep the practice up. But I find these conversations exhausting and intolerable. My relatives are hard of hearing. When we do manage to understand each other, I have to listen to a play-by-play of the day in the nursing home, complaints over the girl at the checkout counter refusing to honor a coupon or minor racism. These relatives ask few, if any, questions about me or my life. I already hate talking on the phone, so these calls are extremely unpleasant. I stay connected to younger relatives over social media and we're quite friendly. I just can't connect to the older generation. My siblings are always giving me a hard time about it, saying things like, it's not that hard, just call them. But with seemingly no understanding of how much energy these calls require, I'm sick of hearing criticism from my siblings or through the grapevine trash talk from cousins about how my elderly family members think I'm quote aloof or quote too good for them. How can I fix this? I really do want to be closer, but I can't seem to find any common ground. Ah. So before we get into the family logistics, just want to take a minute to sit with minor racism. Yeah. I, I I'm curious if what the letter writer means by that is just regular racism, but it's from my relatives, and I feel guilty about not saying anything, so I want right. to downplay it by saying minor, but like, I understand that you're you're not saying that they're like confessing to hate crimes, but I, I'm not sure what the work Minor is doing here aside from just, I don't want to feel too bad about it. I would encourage you not to do that. I wonder if it's also like old racism. I mean, again, like whatever it is, I, I think the what the word Minor there is doing is trying to say like, so it's kind of okay that I don't say anything and... I would just say just call it racism. Don't try to soft pedal that one. Like w- we understand that you're not necessarily saying that they're like talking about the worst possible form of racism that's possible to conceive of, but just call it racism. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to point out
0: too. And it's like I I think this is probably a really common situation that this letter writer is in happening right now, particularly as we find ourselves in like a moment where more and more of these sort of difficult conversations are being encouraged.
1: Mm -hmm. What's tricky here, I think, is there's several issues going on at once. Like if somebody were writing and were saying, I have a difficult time talking on the phone to my elderly relatives because they're hard of hearing, I would have a very different answer about working to accommodate somebody's hard of hearingness versus, I have a hard time talking to my older relatives because they say racist things. So those are two really separate issues. Um, and then, of course, when you're talking to somebody on the phone and they are hard of hearing and you want to talk to them about something racist that they just said, that is an additional logistical challenge to saying, like, Aunt Ruth, that was really racist. I object right. to it. It doesn't make those things impossible, but it is difficult. And, and then there's also that question of, like, I both don't know how to address these things in the moment, and then I also want my siblings to get off my back. So there's, there's like, multiple... Um, sometimes competing interests in this letter. So I, I guess my my first thought here is: Is it possible? Is it reasonable to expect there is a solution that will both get this letter writer's extended family to never pressure them to make calls more, or to never you know talk shit about them behind their back, and also stop making these phone calls? Do you think that that's possible? I find myself skeptical. I I
0: feel like the goal, it shouldn't be about appeasing the other relatives.
1: I think that's right.
0: And it should be about getting into a place where they feel comfortable about their relationship with these relatives. And that's a tricky situation that they have to sort of navigate. I get that it kind of sucks when your siblings are putting this pressure on you and you're going to have to sort of navigate how you have these conversations. And your siblings are going to probably be more understanding to a conversation- where you might say, Hey, I don't always enjoy these conversations. And it's difficult for a number of reasons. Whereas like, you're probably not going to say that to your older relatives straight out. Right. I, I think it's possible, but again, it kind of comes down to what you sort of want out of that relationship, because I understand right now, it's like, not, it's not a great relationship. (laughs) So like, I understand if the letter writer sort of feels like, ultimately, since I'm getting so little out of this, I want this relationship to be so minimal. And I kind of have to make my peace with that and then find a way to kind of talk to my other relatives about that. Right. I mean, one thought I had was if the letter writer kind of decides, you know what, I think that, you know, maybe there's a way I want to have some type of relationship. This is my family. And I want to I want to find some way to to be in some contact with that in the way that I can be. Like, I do wonder if it's trying to just avoid having phone calls with them. Yeah. You know, if this person, I don't know if this person writes letters, um, I'm kind of would assume, you know, other technological means are probably not high on the list, but like maybe a postcard or a letter. I don't know if that's something that would be possible, but- mm-hmm if maybe that's, that's an option.
1: Yeah. And I think I would also just really separate, like, if it's difficult sometimes to talk on the phone to your hard of hearing relatives, I would encourage you to cultivate as much patience as you can to when you do plan some calls to think in advance about how long you will be on the phone um, and to decide a time that works for you, even if it's not as long as your relatives might like. And if that's five minutes, that's five minutes. Um, and then when you need to get off the phone, just, be really clear about needing to get off the phone and making it happen and preparing yourself too for, they probably won't make it easy for me to get off the phone. I might need to repeat myself. So you can gear up for that. Um, And you don't have to do it once a month. I do think that there is value in keeping in some contact with older relatives, even if these are not really, really two-way conversations. Um, I'm not going to encourage anyone to like die on the hill of family devotion. But I, I, I do think that's worth trying. So I would encourage you to try to be patient there. And then I would just also say it seems like part of the dynamic with the rest of your family is just too far in that direction of we meet these older relatives only on their grounds and we only do the conversations on their terms. You don't have to do that. So that might mean calling them less often. Um, that might mean when you do call Although again, I I would not put the hard of hearing stuff or the talking about their nursing home stuff in this category. I I would encourage you to be patient there. If they say something racist or if they complain for a long time about a service worker, I would encourage you to kindly and lovingly interrupt them and say either that's racist, stop it, or let me tell you about something I did this week. Like if you really like I I guess what my, my question here is like do you really want these people asking you lots of questions or do you just feel kind of annoyed because like it sort of sounds like what you really want is just to talk less like so that you don't get yelled at which I think is a perfectly fine goal. And then another part of you is like oh I wish they like asked me more questions like but do you because that would mean longer conversations. So maybe do some triage there and see, like, would I actually want to explain a bunch of stuff about my life to Aunt Ruth, or would I rather just get in and get out?
0: Yeah, and I think it's a good point of, like, I feel like sometimes there's this notion of, like, there's these older relatives, and they're, like, so fragile that even when they say something that I don't like, it's like, oh, we have to just, like, we have to let them be, and there's no changing, and it's, like, (laughs) sometimes, like... I I just think it's not always the case. And sometimes it's worth reminding them, like, you really do want to talk to us, don't you? And that's something that we can also take away. And we, you know... um." Yes.
1: (laughs) And you can, I think, expect if you do that, that you will hear about it from your siblings. That's not going to solve that problem. So again, prepare yourself for that. And like, I think really with your siblings, I don't know that you're ever going to be able to convince them to see this from your point of view. So I would maybe encourage you instead simply to say like, I actually am not going to like continue conversations where you pass along complaints other relatives have made about me. If they want to talk to me directly, they can, but I'm not going to stand for that anymore. I mean, stand for that might be slightly strong language, but just say like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And again, expect resistance there. Expect them to be like, no, no, no. Let me tell you again how easy it is. And just for you to be like, I'm actually not taking feedback on this anymore. You are free to uh, not approve of how I conduct these relationships, but- they're my relationships and it's my call. Right. So, that I think is it. And then, you know, you say you can't seem to find common ground, but it doesn't sound like you're really pushing for it. It doesn't sound like you challenge your relatives. It doesn't sound like you are willing to interrupt them when they are monopolizing a conversation. It doesn't sound like you are willing to disagree with them. And unless you do that, you will probably not find common ground. So, You don't have to find it. You can just avoid them more, but um, you can't both avoid them and find common ground, I think. That's my last word on that one. Would you uh, read our bummer, bummer post-Halloween question?
0: Yes, I shall. Subject, post-Halloween problems. Dear Prudence, I have three nieces. My sister married a fairly conservative guy, and they have a, quote, very white picket fence, unquote, lifestyle. I took a more winding road, and now I live in a co-housing community, practicing communal living in the West. Though my nieces clearly have a very different upbringing than I did, I love connecting with them, and our weekly Zoom calls are always a highlight for me. Recently, for Halloween, my nieces went as a gypsy, an Indian, Native American, and a hula girl. I'm upset. I gently brought it up with the three of them on our call to better understand that choice. Only for my sister to swoop in and essentially kick me off the call. She hasn't spoken to me since. It feels ridiculous to potentially lose this relationship over a Halloween costume. But at the same time, I think my sister is dramatically overreacting. All I said was, those were interesting costumes. Were they your idea? I can't stomach the idea of apologizing because that will be, yet again, an opportunity for genuine dialogue between white people that just becomes thrown away, and I don't think I did anything wrong. What should I do? Hmm. You know, I kind of wish that I knew the ages of the kids, first of all. Yeah. I'm kind of assuming they're a little on the younger side.
1: I was too. It seems like that's the kind of question you ask a kid who's in the like three to ten year range, rather than the like ten to seventeen year range. I realize those are broad ranges, but that's right. That's language you use with younger kids, and I think that's relevant because, as disturbing as it would be, you, you would not hold a five year old responsible in the same way that uh, uh, an older child might start to have different levels of agency. And so this is, I, I think really it's an issue with the sister and maybe part of the issue here is that you don't know how to talk to her or rather you can't talk to her because she, sh- she cuts those conversations short. I mean, to me, the the issue here is like that second sentence, which felt like a couple of, racist dog whistles like she married a fairly not that sorry not that the letter writer is trying to say something racist but um like she married a fairly conservative guy and they have a very quote white picket fence lifestyle like i can pick up what you're putting down right which is they might not be avowed white supremacists but it sounds like they live in a pretty close to all white neighborhood and that that is how they like it did that seem like too far an extrapolation uh do you feel did you get a similar reading?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I took that as sort of like they live in a likely more yeah conservative white suburban place, and I live in, quote, the West. as Yeah, somewhere as in the West
1: it. practicing communal living. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, I, I mean, a lot of this issue is is also like how far has your sister and her husband gone in avowing this kind of thing? And so… The, the question there, I think, is really, how can you have a conversation with somebody who's, who's making it pretty clear they don't want to? Right. And um, I understand that there's also the fear that you really, really want to maintain a relationship with your nieces. And I get that. So I think the next move here is to say something to your sister like, I want to be able to talk to you about this. I also don't want to violate any rules that you want to set down about asking your kids a question that you think I should be asking you. So if I stepped if I overstep my bounds there, I'm really sorry. I did not think that that was a, an inappropriate question, but if if you want me to direct such questions only to you in the future, I will. Right. And that's I think as far as you should go in terms of apologizing, but then just I think to say I think that those costumes are racist and I want to be able to talk to you about that. I hope we can. Um, And then if she just says, no, the subject is closed. You have at least said that you thought that they were racist and made your objection. Um, And you can't force her to listen to you beyond that.
0: Yeah, this is tough because it feels like she already knows how the conversation is going to go.
1: Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you know, she says, I don't think I did anything wrong. I mean, you know, if in terms of like, it might have been better to go to your sister first, depending on how old the kids were. But that's a logistical issue, not because it's like wrong to talk to the kids about racism, just in the sense of they might be young enough that they don't know how to understand or contextualize any of this. So given that we don't know the exact age of the kids, we'll leave that to the side. I don't think you did anything wrong either. I think your sister did something racist. And then when you said something that even hinted it might not have been the greatest idea in the world, she flipped out. That sucks. I think your sister's kind of, racist. And um, if there was a way to have a genuine dialogue with her without her (laughs) consent, you know, I could give you advice on that front, but she does have to at least pick up the phone when you call. And so I think the most you can do here is say like, can we try this again? Talking just you and me, I would like to be able to talk to you about this. I disagree with the decision you made. I think it was wrong. I think you shouldn't do it again. That does not mean that I think you should throw yourself off of a cliff and, 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 Die, I mean, obviously you don't use that language if you find it inflammatory, but I think you can make it clear like I think what you did was wrong, and I'd like to talk to you about why, but I am not asking you to castigate yourself or say that you're a bad person forever and ever i That's just not what I'm doing here, and if that can kind of help coax her down, great, and if it doesn't you you, you can't do any more short of pretending that you thought it was okay,
0: right, yeah, and And I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. And like, Jesus Christ, you know, come on. That is not something that you should have to be explaining in the year 2020. Um, And I'm sorry that you do have to, but you should, I think, also prepare yourself for the possibility that your sister is moving in this direction on purpose and will continue to move in that direction. And that may um, limit the kinds of interventions that you'll be able to offer. And I'm really sorry. That really sucks.